From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm Angelica Serrano Roman. Chapter 13 was supposed to be a win win for everyone. The tax break in Texas gives manufacturers and renewable energy companies property tax relief. The state attracts investment and promotes job creation, and school districts, which would have been the recipients of that tax revenue, are made whole if they sign off on these tax agreements. The program is called Chapter 213, after its section in the Texas Tax Code, and it's seen 441% increase in applications this year. Some big companies, such as Samsung and Micron, have quickly submitted bids to secure the tax deals before the incentive goes away in December. One of the companies in line for the break is Tesla. The carmaker is reviewing the possibility of building a major battery plant in Nueces County. In September, Tesla has set in motion plans to use the incentive, but the final decision will be based on financial considerations. Reverend Miles Brandon of the Central Texas Interfaith, a community organization of congregations and public schools, says he's not against tax incentive, but he says Chapter 13 is just a bad deal. And that's our fundamental problem with this program. It's not about economic development. It's about Chapter 313, which is bankrupting, in our opinion, public education in the state of Texas. So how does 313 work and why are school districts a major factor in approving applications? Dick Levine, senior tax analyst at the nonprofit Everett Texan, says 313 results in less money to fund schools. The school property tax is about half of the total tax bill, property tax bill in Texas. And property taxes are the largest single tax paid by um, Texans. The company will apply to a school district for a Chapter 313. It's really a property tax abatement. What it does is it put a limit on the taxable value of that property for a period of 10 years. The school district, if it accepts the application, sends it to the controller who is supposed to verify that it is in compliance with all statutory requirements. And then it comes back to the school district. Most of the local tax revenue the school district forgoes under this program is replaced with state funding. Businesses have invested over $130 billion and created 9,000 qualified jobs through 2019, according to a recent Texas Comptroller's report. But to date, the program has cost Texas over $10 billion and could have saved businesses over $47 billion in taxes. That's money critics say that's kept out of the nearby communities. They also argue that the incentive has not been an economic driver. Most of these companies would have developed their projects without it. With the program's expiration looming, the annual cost of the incentive could increase significantly this year due to a rise in applications, says Brandon. We've had upwards of 450 applications this year, which is almost fivefold a normal year's number of applications. And so, 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 in fact, if those 450 applications all get approved this year, which would be challenging, but if that happened, it wouldn't be $1 billion a year coming out of the general fund in the state of Texas uh, that, uh, that, that could be going to public schools. It could be 10 to $20 billion a year uh, that taxpayers would be on the hook for for decades to come. These companies don't have to start their projects immediately. In fact, the controller said the jump in applications won't necessarily translate into instant investment across the state. Some companies may terminate or withdraw their agreements for, quote, a variety of reasons. There's also a sense that some of these last-minute submissions are a safeguard for companies. 
amid these tensions, why did Texas set up the program to be approved or rejected by school districts anyways? Arlene Martinez, communications director at Good Jobs First, says the incentive was structured so schools can't refuse. Corporations sometimes return a small portion of their tax savings to a school district as up to $100 per student for the period of the agreement. School districts have a perverse incentive to accept the project because oftentimes the company will even give them an additional amount of money so that they're actually they're getting a little bit more in some cases than they would have if they hadn't accepted the tax break. Now, of course, that's not free money. What's happening is the rest of the state is paying for this tax break. That money is between companies and schools, says Lavigne. If they grant the agreement, they lose nothing, and then they gain an extra $100 per student, which is completely outside the school finance system. It's theirs to do with as they wish. Even without the financial considerations, some schools have refused to approve these tax agreements because of environmental concerns. And very few districts say no. And when they do, it's because of community pushback, because the proposal is to build a plant that'll spew fumes within a half mile of a high school, or will build a great big uh, LNG export terminal in an environmentally sensitive area where a lot of tourists come and would hurt the local economy. So on occasion, um, the school districts will say no, but the uh, Setup is every incentive for them to say yes, which is how the program got so big. Not everyone believes that Chapter 213 is defunding schools. Curtis Colwell is the director of the Texas School Alliance and has benefited from the program as a consultant. He thinks Chapter 213 has created jobs and provides positive incentives for both schools and businesses. It's also given these districts uh, the opportunity to uh, improve their school facilities significantly and how it can because this tax limitation is on the maintenance and operations side of the property taxes. The abatement or the incentive is only on the maintenance and operations side. So many districts that uh, say they didn't have any uh, minerals or uh, any uh, uh, value in the ground but they were able to have a significant amount of wind farms or solar farms and increase the taxable values in their school district and for the first time in 50 or 100 years. And they've been able to improve their facilities, improve their educational opportunities for children in their school district. It's also a problem that Texas already loses too much money that otherwise would have gone to schools because in covering the tax breaks, it's pulling the funding from its school's budget, says Martinez from the nonprofit Good Jobs First. We did a national study last year looking at corporate tax abatements using a statement called GASB Statement 77 that's found in end-of-year spending reports. And we found that uh, other states lose more dollar-wise than Texas, but no state loses more per student than Texas to these corporate tax abatements. So it's really costly for school districts. And what we also found that school districts with high populations of Black and Latino students uh, paid more. So you have a situation where the poor are paying more to subsidize these corporate projects. Chapter 13 is about to expire. However, lawmakers are discussing pursuing an extension in their upcoming session, which begins in January. The best case scenario would be that there would be no replacement because it's such a 
it was such an ineffective program. Now, is that realistic? So we're hoping that if there was any new iteration, and of course, these corporate lobbyists are fighting hard for it, um, that it would have the same level of transparency. And we'd also like to see some better requirements for who can, for which companies and what type of projects can actually benefit from these. So perhaps it's a lot more weighted based on the racial and ethnic composition of a community or whether the community could use the investment and other metrics like that. So it's not just you apply, you get it, which was really the case in a lot of times with Chapter 313. And that's it for today's Talk in Tax. You can find up to the minute news on the latest tax and accounting developments on our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. Today's Talk in Tax was produced by myself, Angelica Serrano-Roman and Davis Schultz. We had help today from Kimberly Wayne and Kathy Larson. Rachel Daigle is our editor, and our executive producer is Josh Block. From Washington, it's Angelica Serrano-Roman. Thanks for listening. An individual's race should not be used to help him or harm him in his life's endeavors. A pair of lawsuits has made its way to the Supreme Court, and the decision could dramatically change just who gets into which college. Bloom is effectively using the Asian community as pawns. Every lawsuit needs a villain. To mask an anti-Black and anti-Latino agenda. Does this demoralize me? No, it doesn't demoralize me. This season on Uncommon Law, we'll explore the arguments and the people driving this latest battle over affirmative action. Can the Constitution be used to remedy society's ills? I'm the only person in class who has to raise my hand and say, okay, well, actually, here's how this affects people that look like me. Does the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause prohibit all discrimination based on race? You let somebody in because of their race, you're keeping somebody else out because of their race. There might have been two or three Latinos, including me. And so somehow that's too much, somehow that goes too far. It's hard not to take that very personally. Coming October 25th, part one of a three-part series on affirmative action. What's being decided is whether black and brown people are going to be excluded in significant numbers. Only on Uncommon Law from Bloomberg Industry Group.